And here we are. Yeah, what's up, Scott? Welcome back, Thank right? Thank you. Yeah. You weren't feeling well last time. I was not. I was but not. But you are back, baby. You are feeling good. Podcast number? Six. <laughs> Almost said five. It's all right. We just went through this because we had to count them because we're not even that smart to figure no. that out. Wow, that's sad. Mm-hmm. It, but it's going well. I think people I, like I, it. Yeah, we've had almost 300 downloads now. And yeah, people And we are haven't even announced it. Haven't even, not even like officially announced it. No, yeah. It's just been very kind of behind the scenes, mm-hmm. right? Someone as far away as California has downloaded it. So, Well, thank you for listening wherever you are. We're still mm-hmm. trying to figure it out. But we got a new board, Scott. We do. Man, we went upgraded. It's German. And zero support. Zero, yeah. So <laughs> new that, that the app doesn't even work yet. That's how new it is. It's okay. Hopefully it sounds good and we'll be able to test it and, and, and hear what it sounds like yeah, once we put it out. it's got a touch screen. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> hey, man, we're next level, son. Next level. Yep. Well, I just want to personally thank you again for getting this going because we're into podcast number six and you have done a great job of, you know, getting it going, man. We wouldn't have been able to do it without you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's no problem. All right, so what are we getting into today? Because I think that what we're going to talk about, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you had an idea of going, we need to go back, and it's just me and you. We don't have a special guest today. That is correct. And it's going to be, it'll be interesting, because we're going to talk about the beginning is what you want to talk about. Correct, yeah, because I think we, we got into the beginning as far as, like, the how it happened and when it happened, but the why is what I think people want to know. So going way back to, yeah, like before the 12 years, like Ooh. before all that, like, because I know, and yeah. I think some people know, but not everyone knows. So this may be even a two-part episode. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so let's get into that a little bit. All right, so obviously we've talked in the first couple of podcasts that the church launched in 2007, so it's 13 years old this year. But I know that's kind of crazy, but... If you want to know, like, the real why, I think it's because of the way that I grew up and the church experiences that I had when I was young and the experiences that as we continued by doing music. So, like, when the, we had a little worship band or whatever, and they're traveling around, and you would see different places and different things were going on, that had another component to it. We'll go into all these things because you can ask me anything. I'm an open book, Scott. And then... <laughs> and then... Working in a church, you know, a Southern Baptist church for whatever it was, 15, 16 years, all of those combinations make you want to do it a little different or try things a little bit differently to see if it'll work. And you don't really know if it's going to work or not. So uh, as far as my childhood, let's go back into counseling. Is this counseling? We're going way back. Well, because well, you were saying you got to go, well, like, why is it was pretty rough. It was pretty boring. Not my childhood. I mean, although everybody has some rough stuff in their childhood. I'm talking about just church. It was pretty boring. I mean, it was back then they literally only had a keyboard, you know, piano and a singer. And I don't even think we had an organ in our church because it wasn't that big. And so the music was pretty boring. The preachers were kind of, you know, it was the kind of the old school style or whatever. Wasn't a whole lot of things to do. I mean, our church was small, so all of those things, you're like, man, it could be different, you know, uh, but I don't know, that was part of it, but then once you got to do music, which was highly frowned upon in the late 80s and early 90s, and we started doing worship music, and you're going around these different churches, there were different styles, I mean, you had charismatic churches, you had non-denominational churches were coming out, 
And that was controversial because all the Baptist churches were like, you know, that's not good. We don't like that. We didn't, they didn't approve of this way or they didn't approve of that way. So I have a question about yeah. that, which mm-hmm. is something that I've always wanted to know. Mm-hmm. So you're doing, because you were big into worship, or not big into worship, excuse me, big into music. You mm-hmm. love music. You yep. love 80s rock. Yes. So why choose to do worship versus be just a regular band? Well, we good question. We actually started in the bars. Good friend of mine lived down the street uh, named John Compton. Played bass for uh, country bands mostly, and then there was a band that really took off back in the '80s, and it was called Exit. And that was John Compton, Greg Fulco, Danny Orton, all of these great guys here in the city. Chris LaFell, uh, you know, Dwayne I mean, played keyboards. They were very popular. Had won MTV Basement Tapes not once but twice. Bobby Stevenson, that's how I got connected to Bobby, is Bobby was actually managing the band. He's a guy here in town, and now uh, that Simple Church helps with a lot of creative stuff. Uh, but he was doing the videos, he was doing all this stuff. But John, when he started playing bass, like, man, he snuck me into some bars. So we used to be at Humphreys in the Square and the Sports Page. and So that's where my love of music really started. Uh, Glenn Myers, another friend who's a minister down in Baton Rouge, loved music, so... We would listen to music. We'd sneak into the Hearst Coliseum when Rat was coming to town. Or Van Halen used to practice here at the Hearst Coliseum before they went on the road. First show ever with Sammy Hagar was here in Shreveport, Louisiana. That is correct. I mean, all of those things were happening during that time. So we were, I was sneaking into Hearst, or we were going into the bars to hear it. So music was kind of really taken off from me. Well, then I met uh, Alan Smith, who plays guitar, and he had a band in high school. And he and another guy actually had... Uh, they did a talent show. I remember seeing their talent show at, at high school, and I was like, man, that's cool. But I'd never sung a note before in my life, never attempted to sing. When I graduated in high school, we were at a club called Vertigo. I get a lot of love that. I mean, anybody that lives in Shreveport Bosch back, back in the day, yeah, you you're going, you got to know Vertigo, son. But we were at Vertigo, and I remember looking at Alan on the dance floor. We had our dance on. We were down there rolling, and... Uh, I said, man, I'm going to sing in your band. He was like, you ain't going to sing in my band. I'm like, you're crazy. Come on, man. He was, I said, yeah, I am. So we went went to their practice room. First song I ever sang in my life was Mr. Mr. Broken Wings. And boom, we went and started playing the clubs. And I won't tell you everywhere we played because it wasn't all appropriate. <laughs> but it was, yeah, you need to go ahead and unmute yourself because <laughs> as you're laughing through all that, I think they need to know that you need to control yourself. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> But it's true, so then that's where it started. We did all that, and then probably, I don't know how long we did that, not too, too long, I felt, you know, like, man, I don't know, maybe we should try to go into Christian music because it was starting to evolve. My mom worked at Christian Life Tapes and Books, and Christian music was kind of getting going, and so we were like, we moved from bars into work, you know, going in to do church. But it really wasn't worship music. Back in the late 80s and early 90s, it was more performance. It was more like entertainment you know, Christian lyrics, a, a powerful message, but it wasn't, quote, the way you see, you know, worship led today. And we did youth events and all kind of, we did lock-ins. And so then it just kind of started taking off. And then it started evolving into worship in the early 90s. So then that's when you really started going to more and more churches because more and more churches were trying to figure that out. Baptists, whatever, you know, the non-denominationals, they were all kind of figuring it out. So all of that being said, you know, you begin to go, you know, maybe there is something different because when you grow up in one particular style of church or one denomination of church, in some ways they don't 
uh, really play well together, and they don't always work well together. So my mom was Baptist. My grandparents were Catholic. I mean, they didn't even really like each other that much as far as the way they did it. They disapproved or they picked on the way the other person did it. Uh, same with charismatic. So, But when you had music as a common ground, they didn't care. Like, we could go into a charismatic church, although we didn't agree with maybe everything theologically. You know what I'm saying? We could go in, and they would let us play music, and we could have a good time with the kids. And then you could go into a non-denominational or a Nazarene. or a, I mean, you could just go around. Well, that, <clears throat> that is a big deal. Because back then, I had never been in another church other than really the one that I grew up in. So then you're starting to see all kinds of different styles, different style preachers, different style worship services, different style church. So it all is laying the foundation for, hmm, you know, maybe things could be differently. But the probably, not probably, the number one deciding factor was in that whole time frame, late 80s, early 90s, I went on a senior trip. This is the craziest story, probably. We go on a senior trip with my little Baptist church. There's only five of us, I think, on the trip. Terry Seaman was with me, who goes to Simple Church now. There may have been more than that, but Terry could correct me. We go on a trip, and the guy that books it is like a—he's just a regular guy. He's, you know, he, he's not a full-time pastor or anything. He books this trip and says, "We're going on a cruise." I'm like, "Yeah, a, a cruise." <laughs> I mean, dude, this is a big deal. Like, in the, I'd never been out of the country. I'd never been on an airplane. I'd never been on a boat. I'd never been anywhere. So this dude's going like, yeah, we're going on this cruise. So I'm like, oh, sweet. So we go down to the Bahamas is where we're going to go. So it's me. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. So we go down there, and it's going to be our senior cruise. What he did not tell us, and we did not know until we were in the middle of this wonderful extravaganza, is... It was a senior adult cruise. Oh. Yeah. So there's no young people on this boat. So it's me and Terry, my good friend, went south with me, and then a couple of other people from the church. We walk around for like three days, don't see a soul that's our age on this boat. What what would you say the average age was? Oh, got to be 65, 70. I mean, it's miserable. (laughs) It's miserable. So I'm going, and Terry's looking at me like, man, this is great, you know. Thanks, man, for bringing me to Papaw Cruise, you know. I'm like, hey, man, I don't, I didn't know. We, we were frustrated. About the third day, because it was only like a four-day cruise, we see two girls, blonde-headed girl and a brunette girl. Mm. <laughs> see, remember, you got to remember, you're a graduating senior. You're like, dude, this is going to be awesome. Hello. Yeah, so we go, I go, hey, man, I'm going to go for the blonde. He said, all right, whatever. He'll go, go Shocker for there. Yeah, well, I just, that's, hey, man, let's go see if we can talk to him. So we walk up to him. Blonde will not have anything to do with me. She pretty much could care less. <laughs> Gives me the cold shoulders. This is, this is true. So then it moves to the brunette girl name is Christy. So I'm like, hey, what's going on? We begin to talk. Not Christy at the church. This is way before all this. Completely he, different. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking like 1980-something, late 80s. So... We go out, all right, and begin to just kind of talk and hang out. Nothing weird, nothing really, just somebody our age to hang out with because they're the closest people to our age. This is where it gets really strange. So the second day, and it's about the last day before we're going to be gone, the girl, we didn't do anything. We really just walked around and hung out. The girl calls me, I mean, says, why don't you meet my mom? Why don't you meet my mom? 
dude, as a senior in high school to go meet somebody's mom, like, nah, not interested. You know, I'm just hanging with you. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, but no thanks. She's like, no, you really need to do this. I'm like, all right. So I go up to the to the upper deck. Her mom is laying out on the upper deck. Or, you know, her family's there. She's got her grandmother because it was a senior adult cruise. This is no lie. And the mom, and it ended up being the family's name was the Bowens. Uh, her name was Doris Bowen. So I remember she looks and she says, hey, you know, nice to meet you. And I had long hair then. And she's like, let me just ask you a few questions. And I was like, oh, Lord, you know, I don't want any questions. You know, but she's like, what do you want to do with your life? Or what are you thinking about? Because I'd graduated. And I was like, I don't know. You know, I don't she goes, well, what are you doing now? I said, well, I got a band, and, you know, we're kind of playing. And I didn't really want to be totally honest until we were in bars. So I was kind of, you know, we're playing a little bit here and there. And, but I was a Christian kid with my church on a senior trip. And she goes, you know what you need to do? You know, and I was like, no, ma'am, I don't. She goes, you need to meet my youth pastor. And I'm like, okay, sure, whatever. She's like, I'm going to arrange that. I'm going to arrange for you to meet my youth pastor. I'm like, okay, cool. So we go back. They live in Atlanta, so she goes back to Atlanta. I go back to Shreveport. Back then, you did not have technology. You didn't have internet. You didn't have cell phones. You only had a landline. Well, a couple of weeks later, the landline rings, and it's Miss Bowen, and she calls, and she says, hey, Josh, I really want to fly you to Atlanta. I'd never been on an airplane. I drove down to New Orleans to get on that boat. She goes, I want to put you on an airplane. I want you to come to Atlanta. I want you to meet my youth pastor. So I, I'm like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll talk to my mom about it or whatever. And kind of know it's so I'll cheesy. But mom. yeah, but I did. I was, you know, barely graduated. I mean, so she was like, okay. So I go to my mom, like, hey, mom, there's this lady that wants me to fly, <laughs> fly to Atlanta. My mom's like, my mom was a cusser. I will not cuss on this podcast, <laughs> but she's like, no, no, you ain't doing that. That's weird. You know, we don't know who these people are. Yada, 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 whatever. So I leave it alone. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Bowen calls back again next week. I really feel like God's telling me you need to do this. So I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. So I go tell my mom, hey, my mom, mom's like, you better tell that lady to back up. <laughs> I've geared all that down. This is a family podcast. Oh, Judy. Yeah, you know Judy. Oh, I knew yeah, her. Yeah, okay. So the third time, she calls again, and my mom says, let me talk to that lady. So they get on the phone together, two women, and... There's only one person in the world that would have made this possible. And it happened to be my mom's favorite preacher. Back in the day, my mom listened to a couple of people. I've told people she listened to PTL and Jim and Tammy Baker. And she had all, you know, it was TV 700 Club. She had all that other stuff going on. But her favorite was Charles Stanley. So... Miss Bowen's like, and my mom's like, what's the big deal? Like, who who is it that you need to meet? Where do you even go to church? And Miss Bowen's like, we go to First Baptist Atlanta. And my mom was like, oh. <laughs> I mean, Charles Stanley's church? And she goes, yeah. She goes, well, who's the youth pastor? She said, it's his son, Andy. And I think they would really, I think Andy could really help Justin out. Now, this is late 80s. It was a long time ago. They had not, North Point had not launched. There was no church yet it was pre all that so my mom comes to me and she goes get on that plane and i'm like <laughs> what and it's the truth so i flew for the first time ever on a plane in my life to atlanta go to atlanta meet the bowens they meet me at the airport and they you know were very kind because this was the brunette's mom and now her dad and everybody i'm meeting the whole family and then they set up a meeting and me and charles Stan i mean charles Stan, me and andy stanley he had a band called Good Stuff, 
and mm. it was not good stuff. Please, it was cheesy. What, did he sing? What did he? He was a keyboard player. Oh god, it was funny. But hey, you know he loved music too, so it's just funny. But it was just a little cheesy. We were cheesy, so I mean, but they were really cheesy. So anyway, but he had a band, and so she was just going, "Look, y'all." have the same heart, and I still, you know, me and Chip went back to find them like a couple of years ago, Miss Bowen. We, you know, drove back, drove back, flew back to Atlanta and videoed that whole story, which was unbelievable, tearful, and awesome. It's somewhere, and we may could put that on YouTube yeah, somewhere. Yeah, we have it. Yeah, it was just a cool thing because they had not known what had happened as a result of that meeting, but because they set up a meeting with Andy and because Andy prayed with me, first person ever prayed with me about the, you know, my life and going in the ministry or doing something for God. And that's really when we turned around and went into Christian music full time. I mean, we were kind of dabbling. We were kind of figuring it out, which ultimately led to me being a part of them figuring out the early part of North Point. So occasionally, a couple of times a year, I may go to Atlanta and they were launching the North Campus of of, uh, North Point. I'm a First Baptist Atlanta. They were kind of saying, hey, let's try something with Andy. Well, I saw it. They were putting drama in the services, and they were doing, you know, music that was more contemporary and a little bit more rocking and secular music. Sometimes I'm like, man, this is pretty cool. Well, that was all early '90s, and so when you see all that and you're a part of that, it kind of trips you out because you're going, man, there really is uh, a lot of people. There really are a lot of people doing different things. Uh, all across America that we don't get to see very often. We don't know what's happening. And so then it really bursts inside of you a desire to do something different. And then when North Point launched and they were going, they were going, you know, they kind of separated from First Baptist Atlanta. They were their own. And there's a whole book on that, Deep and Wide by Andy, and they kind of tell the whole story. We were the first band that he called to lead worship for their camps. So for all of the beginning of North Point's really foundational years was open eyes in there leading worship and and you know talking about church and talking about way to do shows reggie joiner you know kevin ragsdale andy stanley i mean Stuart hall obviously eventually came in there but in the beginning Stuart wasn't even really there that wasn't even Stuart didn't even know them at that point so it was really just us going like, what about this or why can't we do this and we used to do because we were a bar band the first camp that north point did we were in uh, sandestin they would not let them be in the main room, so they put us in the bar. <laughs> How ironic is this? It's the truth. So we were back to where we had started, and when Andy and Reggie and them would all come in, we would all do Journey songs and Brian Adams and everything, and they were like, this is so awesome. You know what I'm saying? We're in a bar, ironically, at North Point, launching their church, uh, You know, doing some of the first stuff. But that's where all of that started. Like Why we did it is because... Everybody knew the songs. I mean, we were all 80s kids, or you know, so we were like, oh, we remember this, remember that. And so they would listen to it, but then some churches were like, you can't listen to that. We had to burn all our CDs back in the day. I mean, that, oh, yeah. and I was a part of it. I was one of the dumb youth pastors that, you know, got up and said some stuff that I look back on with regret, like, what was I thinking? You know, like, all of that, though, is foundational for launching a church and doing things differently because, again, some of the greatest leaders i mean and andy i believe is one of those guys you just get to see that and go man he's he was thinking outside the box way before a lot of other people are thinking outside the box and so it keeps pushing us to do the same thing so hopefully that i, I mean that's a long that's yeah story but that's the truth but i think that's a story people need to hear yeah and then if you so if you people ask why we watch andy stanley dvds and 
he was instrumental in my life. I mean, most of the camps and uh, things that we grew up, he was the speaker. So we would sit there and go, man, that's fresh, or man, that was different, or man, that's challenging. And he's still, I, my life group tonight, I mean, we have a life group tonight. It will be Andy Stanley DVD that we're watching, and it's As we powerful. Learn. It's just mm-hmm. challenging because he's a great communicator. He's a great teacher. He's he's able to do things and say things and help you see things that a lot of people aren't. And there's a lot of other great ones. I mean, Doug Fields was instrumental in my life, Saddleback, the West Coast. So you had East Coast, which was huge on that. But then while I was a student pastor at First Baptist Bossier, uh I got to meet uh, Rick Warren and hang out with Doug Fields and help him write some of his books early on. He had a, a small group of youth ministers from across the nation that we all got together once a year and brainstormed and thought through things and laughed and cut up and swam at his house and played. Uh, you know, we went to Dave and Buster's and just had a great time of like working through student ministry and different things. Well, that's a whole nother way to do church. So I was like, golly, man, shorts and flip-flops to church, I'm in. You know what I'm saying? If you've never been to Saddleback, it is awesome. I mean, because it is unlike you know North Point. North Point's a total different style. And then we'd had you know uh, one of our close friends at Group of Student Ministry is Ed Young Jr.'s right hand man. You know, Josh Stewart works for Ed Young, which is right there in Dallas, which we admired. And we'd go over and take y'all on student trips when they were young, mm-hmm, and go like you know, hey, here's another way to do church. And they did secular music and and the openers, and they did topical sermons and they had fun and did all these creative things so you're seeing east coast west coast and now even in dallas houston is another great example there are all these great big cities and i was like man i wish we could do it in our city man i'm so tired of it's always somewhere else and so we don't i'm not saying that we've accomplished it because i think we still are pretty cheesy and i don't think we do everything as good as we could and we don't have the money or the resources or the maybe even the talent okay that that other churches have but at least in Shreveport Bossier, you can try. At least in Shreveport Bossier, we, we have an a, a attempt to do things differently and uh, the freedom to do that. And that's been pretty fun to get to see and, and be a part of because I never would have thought it would have worked like it's working, you know, and I'm honored that I get to be a part of it. And if it wasn't for all of those guys, and not to mention, of course, First Baptist Bossier and Fred Lowry going, hey, man, go for it. He wasn't sure that it was going to work. Matter of fact, there was a lot of doubt <laughs> of whether it would work. But without the permission to try, without the freedom to try, without the backing to try, the encouragement to try, it never would have happened. So then I look at it and go, all right, God obviously gave us that opportunity, and I'm eternally grateful for that. Uh, and it's been a pretty wild, fun ride, you know. So there you go, Scott. Mm, that was a lot. <laughs> I will say it's been fun, mostly. Yeah. What's not fun for you? Go ahead and throw out one thing that you don't think is fun. That, that'll be the real inside. That'll be the real inside scoop. Early morning setup. Yeah. yeah. 12 years of, well, 13 yeah. years. I got I to quit saying years, 12. 13 years of setting up and tearing down. Portability rough. is rough, yeah. Yeah, But most, it benef- there's too many benefits for it. So even though it is rough, I mean, it is very beneficial. So can't yeah. complain too much. Yeah, I think um, we were just talking about it. Yesterday we, you know, we moved to another venue, the Bozier Civic Center, first time ever, just to try. And I mean, you and I both know it's not always easy to move to another venue. No. But at the same time, you learn things and you see things differently. That you know, I look back now and go, man, what if we had never tried the theater? What if we had never tried the bar? What if we had never tried multiple locations? You know, multiple theaters. We did all the theaters in Shreveport, Bozier at one point. 
what if you never tried the convention center? I mean, then you wouldn't know and and see things the way you do it. Now, some people still ask why we do that. It's because it's very uh, financially uh, responsible because it's affordable. You're able to use your resources in a little bit different way. Now, it's true. We're not a 100-year-old church. That's the other thing I think everybody kind of forgets is most churches in our area have been here a long time. And there were generations that paved the way for them to uh, enjoy the benefits of the buildings they're in without having to pay for it. And then their job is to build another one or improve it or whatever. And we were a part of that at First Baptist Bozier. We did, I mean, I think me and my brother figured out 25 to $30 million was spent in the time that we were together at First Baptist Bozier. I think that's about right. I know $6 million was spent on the building I did at Tiny Town or whatever. But the, and that was our children's building when I was a family pastor. And there's nothing wrong with that, but our problem was is, number one, we don't have that kind of money. You're not going to get that kind of money. We don't have that kind of space. And the other beauty is is that you're in the community. Like you're trying to, and like at First Baptist Bossier or any other church, you're trying to get people to come to you. And you may be regionally not accessible. That's why multi-campus is opened and different locations are going on. I saw River Park opened up another one. It's another church in our area that went bent. And I think it's awesome because you're trying to do what you can to reach another group of people. The cool thing about Simple Church is is that we've always been in the community, whether that was the theater or the bar or a community center or a civic center or convention center. People are like, oh, I know where that is. It's downtown Shreveport or it's, you know, in the boardwalk or whatever. So, And we never had that vision early on. I mean, we didn't know. When I say we never had it, we didn't know what we were going to do. The, no, we <laughs> the original location was going to be next to Sam's. I mean, not Sam's. That's horrible. Next to Shane's. Yeah. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah, so like I had just picked a small little storefront and thought, man, we can get 50 people in there, which was neck down. <laughs> but that's the truth. I had no idea where to go or what to do. And then the theater called us and we're like, hey, this could be a good deal. And it ended up being a really good deal. You know. And but, I don't think anybody really expected it to, number one, last as long as we have. No. And number two, grow like we did. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. And I think the reason why... Again, uh, it's was new. Yeah, and so, by the way, when I say we, I mean that's including me. I didn't think we would last as long as we have. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I don't. I mean, I think everybody has their questions and doubts and fears. I mean, I think you'd be foolish not to. But I think that as it started taking off, you're kind of like going, "This is going to be different." But nobody had really seen it. So now that you're 13 years into it, there's all kind of new things now. Now, I mean, the internet's changed. I mean. That that early part of Simple Church was crazy because it was the beginning of all that. There was no real internet services when we started. So every church now is trying to figure that out. Like, what does that look like? And what if people are just staying home and they don't really want to get there and they don't want to bring their kids and, you know, they just want to watch it online or whatever. Well, that's what everybody's battling. I mean, all these conferences we're going to, we went to North Point last year for a conference and they were going... I don't know, man. We're trying to figure it out because, uh, you know, all your restaurants are delivering to you. I mean, everybody, you can pick up your groceries. Actually, you can drive through them. I mean, people don't even want to get out of their car and shop anymore. You know, retail is closing down because people are Amazon. That's changing everything across the board. And so we're still going, okay, you're 13 years into it. What does it look like in the next 13 years? And, and how do you, you know, continue to try to be creative and, you know, reach people in a world that's obviously changing. Yeah, changing big time. It is. So what 
what was the original what was your original goal for when you first started simple church what was like this is what i want it to be and this is what i what i wanted to do to to be that's a good question we just wanted to try to reach people that weren't going like right now let's all kind of just note sugarcoat it let's keep it real scott everybody says they go somewhere and everybody goes somewhere sometimes but there's still a section of people that don't and i say when i you know everybody like if you ask like oh yeah 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 we were trying to go the guy or the girl or the family that didn't fit into a Baptist format or didn't fit into, because everyone has kind of an identity for whatever church is, and that's why people are picking it. That's why people choose it. They go, man, I like what they have to offer as far as their music or as far as their building or as far as what they offer kids or whatever. But then there's a whole other group of people. They're not even thinking about all that. They don't care about all that. And how I knew that is I had a lot of friends in that category. They're going, dude, whatever, that's cool. I'm going out. I'm going to Mardi Gras. I'm going to do That wasn't on their mind. So the original idea and still the idea is like, man, can you get people that don't typically go to go? Can you create an environment that is shorter so that you're not killing them with an hour and a half to two hours to make them believe that their presence is, you know, makes them more spiritual? It's like, no, look, man, even your amount of time can be a little bit shorter, the amount of time that you're there can still have an impact, but let's make it as, as uh, I guess, you know, impactful and creative as we can in that short amount of time. And then that they will reach their friends, that they're going to go, hey, man, I want you to come. I want you to be a part of it. I had a phone call yesterday with the family that lost their son in the train accident. And it was tough because I had to do that funeral last week. And while we're talking about it, they were talking about how they got there, how they got to Simple Church. And it was through someone else who told them, hey, man, I think you would really like this. It's not like anywhere else. Dude, they don't care what you wear. You come as you are. It's not about how much money you have or how much money you don't have. Uh, you know, they're a middle-income family like just about everybody else. And they're like, dude, I don't want to play those games anymore. They had been burnt before just by religion and, you know, church stuff. And so she was just telling me how refreshing it has been for her. You know, are we perfect? Long way from it. Do we have it all together? No. But it is pretty authentic. I mean, it's. I mean, we're trying to be. I mean, I mean, you're laughing. You you know. Oh, no, it's fairly authentic. Yeah, but just because I mean, it is what it is. We're not, you know. I guess you're just like, hey, man, we we don't know. We're trying. So life groups are not great. You know what I'm saying? And music is changing. I mean, we're trying to do different things, and the building may be frustrating, and the parking lot can be a little crunk. And, you could go through all those different things. We had count. I mean, uh, you know, counselors. We've had you know pastors on staff that really needed to go get counseling and get help and have to step down. Yeah, we did. We still do. We're still working through all of all of the issues that are around. But we're not really sugarcoating that. Well, good morning, brother. Everything's great. It's like, no, man, it's really kind of tough. And we're trying to work through that. You know, you're trying to figure out how to do it the best that you can in an authentic world. And I think that comes across for people like that because she was just like, you know, hey, man, I appreciate it. Another guy in my life group was like, man, I, we were going to another church. I asked for some help on three or four things. I never heard back from anybody. And so, dude, you emailed me back. And I'm like going, thank God I emailed him back because that don't mean those other pastors don't have a good heart. But, you know, it's busy. It's crazy. Times are, you know, chaotic. So that if you can show that you care 
and you show you care by the way that you do your service, by the way that you take care of people, and by the way that you try to treat them, and you keep it authentic, then a lot of ways I think people see through that. And again, perfect? No, man, we got so many mistakes and so many things we don't do right. But it was to try to reach those people that don't go. Yeah, and I will say from just coming back from Juarez with a bunch of people that had never been on a mission trip before, some were brand new to the church, to the church. But uh, the one thing that was said by everyone that was in that van was, is everyone was real as far as a staff member goes, as far as you. Like the Justin that's on stage is the Justin's off the stage, same way with Brian or, or anybody yeah. on staff. So I think that's important. And that's why this is important even in like the podcast is because your idea was that people don't really know that. You know, they don't really, you know, there's, there's such a lack of trust when it comes to pastors, when it comes to church, because of mistakes that have been made. And there's also like this cover-up. There's always this little, we're not going to really be real with you. Well, we're trying our best to be real in a way that is honoring God that doesn't disrespect someone going through something. So there's some things I could never tell anybody because it's a private issue that they're working through. But we'll tell you, and those people, we have great relationships with all of those that are still some serving in Simple Church but are working through issues, and then others that are not. I mean, you talked to some other guys this week that have been on staff. I mean, I went and eat lunch with a couple of guys that are on staff recently, and it's not easy. I mean, like right now my mind goes to Keith Rhodes, who is battling a horrific situation with his wife, a a real battle. Well, I don't feel like I've done everything I could do. And I go, man, how can I be better at that? What am I going to do? But I can't do everything, so then I have to go back and go, dude, come on, man, you can't be everywhere for everybody. But it's an internal struggle. I don't want to feel like I've hurt somebody's feelings or not been as good a friend as I could have been, and I don't think I have been in a lot of different circumstances or situations. But I'm trying. You know, I'm like going, hey, man, I'm sorry I hurt your feelings or I'm trying to do this better because you can't do it all for everybody. And the larger the church gets and the more people that are affected – uh, by circumstances, situations, though you got to have a lot of people to help. You got to have a lot of people that go. It's more than the minister. <laughs> it's more than just one guy. It's more than the staff. And that's where I'm thankful for the simple churches. People are getting that. Whether it's do good days or serve days or like we're fixing to do this thing for Lighthouse and these kids battling cancer. And we're not some you know. Oh, we're the you know great example for everybody to follow. No, dude, we're just trying to figure it out. We're like, dude, there's a lot of people doing a lot of great things. So what can we do to continue to try to make an impact and put some energy, some time, some money, some effort into that? And talk is cheap. So we're trying to not just talk about it or preach about it, but do it. And you can't do everything, but you're trying to do what you can. So that's the challenge, man. That's the part that is really, really not easy, you know. Well, it's never going to be easy. No, that's simple ain't easy. No, it's it's easy for the person that comes on Sunday morning, but not for us. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, and sometimes easy for the person that comes on Sunday morning. Parking can be crunk. Right now, don't park by the federal office building. I yeah, mean, federal courthouse. <laughs> yeah, you will be towed. Yeah, some of them are still down there going, "I'm gonna park where I want." I'm like, well, then you'll be towed. But that's cool, man. <laughs> Whatever you do, you you do you. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying is, like, it's not easy. It's easier than another church. I would say, why, why would you say that? Well, because they have facilities. I mean, if you have a facility, it does make some things easier. Parking can be sometimes easier. Child care can be easier. Uh, but we didn't really 
get into it thinking, well, it's going to be easy. I mean, we go into a theater and you're toting cases and start out with one trailer. Now you're like three semis of equipment. That's what people still don't understand is three full semis plus of trailers e- up. You have equipment are coming up and coming down and moving from one location. It takes a lot of people and a lot of effort to do it. But the positive, as we even said yesterday, it gives somebody something to do too. If you're a man, you're going to do it. I'm tired of just sitting and listening. You know, I want to put my hands on something, and we got opportunities. You can put your hands on a lot of equipment, <laughs> and you can move it from a lot of different places. Uh, but it's, it, it is uh, challenging, but, but pretty cool to see it happen. Yeah, I, know, I will say, too, because I, I was just thinking about it. You know, if you, if you not that there's anything wrong with it, but when you go to an established church organization, you go in on Sunday, you sit in the pew, you do your thing, you get in, you get out, and it just becomes a routine. With us, you you get to break out of that routine. There's something different about it because you're challenged because maybe on this Sunday you thought you're going to get to come in, sit down, and do but then we either provide something different or you go, you know what, I want to help tear down today. Yeah. So it, it provides a different opportunity. It helps people get out of their comfort zone and, and do something different. Yeah, I think that one of the uh, things that you're so right in, Scott, is because we've had the opportunity or the chance, whether that was backpack, food backpacks, you know, where you go, hey, we're going to set all this up, or Operation Christmas Child, where they actually do it on a Sunday morning with their kids, or uh, Numana was another great example of that, where you're feeding thousands and thousands of people around the world on a Sunday morning, as opposed to come back on another night or whatever. It's like, no, the 10 o'clock hour, man, come on in here and, and be a part of it. And everybody's like, and that's cool. That was different. And then, not to mention, you're throwing in a few '90s parties and Super Bowl parties. And well, yeah, you gotta have fun. <laughs> yeah, why wouldn't you have a little fun? Why doing it? wouldn't? Why you? wouldn't you have a little fun doing it? But that's what I think makes it unique too. Is it's you never really know exactly what it's going to be. And the series are fun. I mean, a lot of times, like when you're talking about growing up, what I love about the Summer Church personally still is that we can do anything. Like, you literally can come up with whatever series you want to go for. Like, New Kids on the Block is a great example. The girls really did want to do this. (laughs) I mean, like, bad. bad. And I'm like, well, then let's do it. Let's do it. Now, again, it worked for me because I can do it as far as, hey, there's a lot of new people coming to church and how they get plugged in. So we were going to have fun and, you know, tie it together and how to help someone take the next step and blah, blah, blah. But... They like it because it's fun. And then and you hear the crowd. Some people are love being able to boo it, and some people love to be able to cheer it. But I'm like, dude, if, if you'd have to- told me growing up at Westside Baptist Church that this is what church would look like, that I'd have the freedom to do that, I'd have said, you're crazy. And now that it's happening, I'm like, man, how awesome is that? And then it's what's really cool. And it's often overlooked and debated and forgotten that people's lives are changed as a result. Now, as an outsider, it's easy to criticize us. It's easy to point a finger, and I hear it, and I've had some pastors directly or anonymously try to tell me that. It's a whole funny story I told you before, but it was not anonymous. Uh, that I got to go back and go, hey, you doc- look in their eyes. I'll give you one great example right now. Bo from Bojacks and Haley. That Haley is in Honduras right now drilling a water well because she and Brittany got inside of them this passion and desire to better help people get water that can't do it and did a hundred and something mile walk that inspired all of their friends. They raised all this money. 
And Bo's, I ate lunch uh, last week, sat down with him. He's just like, it's really kind of weird that this is really my life now. He's gave up drinking, <laughs> working on his business, doing a great thing, trying to be a better dad and doing the best he can because this is the first time he's taking care of his kids without his wife. Right down, he's like, oh, my God, you know, how do I do it? But I'm like going, who would have thought? I wouldn't have. I mean, you know, that's one crazy example. But then you start going through the thousands of people that have been baptized I'm like going, you can criticize it. You can, you know, be a naysayer. But, dude, come on, man. Come look. Go look in their eyes. Go hear their stories. See the tears when you're in the Baptist, uh, in the baptistry waters. And go, man, this is a pretty amazing God ride that we get to be on and that uh, we've had the chance to do it. And you can, we rent out a water park for baptism. The beach within reach. <laughs> Splash Kingdom. Watertown, son. A.K.A. Watertown. Yeah. But I mean, who would have, we didn't, you never would have thought we could have done that. I mean, I never believed in my wildest dreams that, you know, 400 and 500 people getting baptized in one day. I'd have never in my wildest dreams thought that was going to happen. I'd have never in my wildest dreams thought that thousands upon thousands would come to an Easter service, that you have to rent CenturyLink to make it happen. Because when it was early on and it was just in the dream, and you're thinking about that, there were 80 people going, I don't know if it's going to work. You know, my word from God was perhaps, maybe. That's always encouraging. You know, Chasing Daylight's the name of the book. But everybody's like, well, did you have a word from the Lord? I'm like, oh, yeah. And it was very clear. This might work. You know, awesome. Thank you. I'll sign up for might. (laughs) It's just the truth. You know, and then that's all the reality of going, all right, God, I'm willing to risk it. We're going to try. And then that's the same thing for you. If I was going to say anything, we don't have a whole lot of time left because I'm thinking about the person listening. You're hearing all of this stuff, and you're kind of hearing about simple church. If I were thinking about that person sitting there going, all right, what does this got to do with me? Is sometimes you don't understand what God's doing in your life. Like I didn't know as a senior in high school. I didn't know in my early 20s. I didn't know why I was going on this trip or that trip or meeting this person. And then I look back and see how God's hand has led and orchestrated all of those things, including all the friendships and relationships with people in the simple church that make it happen. And how thankful I am that God put all those people together, continues to put all these people together, and that we get the chance to do it. But one key thing is you got to risk it for the biscuit. If you don't risk, you're not going to do it. So some people are like, man, I, I, I want to do this. That's like me. I went and ate lunch with Jeff Warren, and he launched Dream Hunt. I'm excited for that. Dude, I'm like, go for it. You know, Johnny Mac going to Cypress. Man, I think, like, go for it. Dude, it, why would you want to miss what you believe God's really asking you to do? So I didn't do it. I don't want to do it anymore. So I could go through each and every. Keith Rose, I'm going to be a teacher. Go for it. These were just staff members. But then I think, like, Bo, he, he talked, man, I think I'm going to open this restaurant. Go for it. But I think I'm going to open up this business. I think I'm going to go bigger and try. Why wouldn't you try to do it? It's particularly knowing that when God blesses it and he gives you the opportunity to help more people and to further his kingdom and encourage more people, then I'm like going, dude, if the only thing holding you back is going for it and risking it, then just try it. Okay, God, by faith, I'm going to step out and, and let's see what's going to happen. And I look back now and I'm amazed at what God's done. I'm thankful for what God's done. But I also know there's a lot more to do. I mean, we leave for Lebanon next month. I mean, I've never been to Lebanon. Everybody talks about the Muslim culture and all the persecution and 250,000 refugees living in camps. 
that have nothing and that through us providing solar lights and helping them with school could change the world, dude, that's a little risky. But, hey, if you don't risk it, man, you don't know. So I'm, I'm excited about looking forward to not only things like that overseas, but also what we're doing in the community to go, all right, well, what can we do? How can we continue to have an impact, brother? <laughs> do you like that, brother? Brother. Well, brother, I was just thankful for the podcast. It's doing yeah. so good for me. And I will say, too, going back to freedom and, and doing for the community, it is cool how by us doing what we do, we've inspired people like Haley who yeah. on her own goes, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do the for the water well, and this is something that I'm going to do, and having the freedom to go and do that. I'm going to tell you the coolest story on that. I heard this yesterday. So Amy Mawson, the, the whole Live Up Lunch thing where we did this whole thing for, hey, man, let God lead you in a direction to figure out what you could do. And she and a bunch of other women saw that kids couldn't, uh, they had whatever, lunch debt. So she started paying it off, and it was thousands of dollars that they raised to pay that off. Well, the this is crazy to me. The government, the Louisiana government called her and is asking her to go before the legislator next week. She called her. Think about that. Like, she's sitting in there, and now it's changing. Like, hey, what can we do, and how can we get this legislation? And, and Amy's like, oh, my God, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm like, go in there and just tell them what you did. Tell them what God laid on your heart and why you thought it was important. And the impact that you've made, and who knows what God will do it. Well, she's tripping on that. They're all tripping on that. But I'm going, that's the way it works. Isn't it cool when your uncomfortableness, that's probably not a word, that's Southwood. I like it. Yeah. you, uh, Your willingness to step outside the box or to try something new or to go for it actually changes the world for the better. Sometimes that's an invitation to a friend that doesn't go to church. Sometimes that's going for it when it comes to a project that, you just never think that you could do. Sometimes it's going on a trip. Sometimes it's risking it to attend a church. That you go, man, I don't know if I can do it or not. But then you look back and see what God did and how he used it. You don't risk it. You don't get the biscuit, son. That's the way it works. Is that prob- That's probably not appropriate, but it's all right. No, I like it. I think that was a, it's an old saying. I'm just pulling it back, mm. bringing it back. Mm. Mm. All right, that's it, Scott. I think it's look here. It. Yeah, yeah. You've, look, we're right on time. We've 45 minutes to the almost to the almost dot. to the dot well tune in next time as we continue right yep. we're going to do yeah i don't really know what we'll do but if you have questions they can submit them yes and please review us them. i mean on the if you if you're watching yeah. give us reviews tell us what you like what you don't like mm-hmm. what you want to hear do. what you don't want to hear we love yep. you dude scotty i'm proud of you thank you thank for you. risking it no problem all right till next time yep, tune till in next time. time go mop a floor that's it mm.